At North Point Community Church, we are passionate about helping our community move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. And we hope this message helps you do that. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning. It's so good to be here. If you're watching live stream, man, we're glad that you're with us as well. Excited about you being here and being able to join with us in worship and in the message. Uh, you know, there are weeks that I come into kind of Sunday morning and, and think, man, I've worked on the message and I don't know how it's going to go. And it's just kind of this sense of, ah, whatever. Today is one of those days that I, I really am jazzed about this message. And um, when you hear the message, you'll think that's a really crazy thing to be jazzed about, except um, that it really is a call for us to take action in a very practical way, uh, or in multiple practical ways. Because we've been talking about what it means to own North Point. Uh, um, we're in this series called Owning North Point. Ownership um, means lots of things for us. When we take on the mindset of an owner, things change. Our, our mission as a church is to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. That's what we're about, helping people grow spiritually, helping people who don't know Jesus come to know him. That's, that's who we are as a church. Our vision is that everybody who owns North Point, everybody who calls North Point home, would see Jesus working in their life and that they'd be sharing that with the people in their sphere of influence, in their world, because people need hope. They need to know that, that Jesus is working today in their lives. So, so this message, uh, this series of message, has really all been about trying to help paint the picture of what it means to own North Point. Uh, the first week, we, we kind of set the foundation, and we talked about the church from, from a big picture perspective uh, from Scripture, that the church is not a building. It, this is not the church this is the church. The church is the, the Greek word is ecclesia. It's the gathering, the assembly of the saints. It's people who are serious about following Jesus coming together to worship, to encourage each other. Um, we, we talked about the fact that there is a universal church, you know, one church that, that um, exists through time, uh, since the time of Jesus. And there are local gatherings, local bodies of believers. Um, North Point is one of those local gatherings uh, of people who are serious about, about following Jesus. We talked about the fact that, that in Scripture, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the church being the body of Christ, that we're connected to each other, and that, that, that no one is unimportant. There is no appendix in the body of Christ, we talked about last week. This sense that, that we're only as strong as our weakest link, and that, that we need to encourage each other. We need to be engaged with each other so that the body can function the way that the body was designed. Um, uh, and I, I, last week, the, I, I hope the, the, uh, the takeaway from that was the church can't be the church without one anothering one another. That was the phrase we talked about in my life group. The church can't be the church without one anothering one another because in scripture, um, the 59 times, 59 times, the, um, it says something one another, love one another, be kind to one another, encourage one another, build each other up. Um, we can't be the church unless we're involved in each other's lives in that kind of way. The church can't be the church without one anothering one another. Um, and that as a member of the body of Christ, we have to be more than comfortable. It's great to come in. And, and find comfort when we gather on Sunday mornings, but we've gotta be more than comfortable. Um, it's often my prayer 
that God would comfort the afflicted when we come together and that he would afflict the comfortable. Because if we just stay comfortable, we can't be what God has called us to be. Um, there's a picture. We, we looked last week at, at, at the end of Acts chapter 2 where it, it talks about, it describes the church in the first century. It says that they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine, to prayer, to fellowship, to the Lord's Supper, that those were the, the components of the church. I want to start today and just kind of expand that picture for you. So if you've got your Bibles, take them out and turn to Acts chapter 4. And this is another picture of what the church looked like as it was growing. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 32, it says this. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. That was at the center of the church. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everybody who had need. Do you, have, do you have this sense of what was going on in the church in the first century? They were so engaged in each other's lives. They cared about each other so much that they were willing to sacrifice, do whatever it took. But they did that because they were involved in each other's lives. God was working, and the resurrection of Jesus was the heart of that. That, that was what brought them together. What was the result? When I, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but when you look through the book of Acts... At, at the description of the church through the book of Acts, what did it look like for them engaged in each other's lives? What was the impact that it had? Um, take a look on screen or in the app notes. If you want to follow, follow through, just we're going we're gonna to do a, a drone buzz of the book of Acts right now, okay? Uh, Acts 1.8, Jesus says this, you will, receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven, and he says to his disciples, here is your call. Here's your mission. You're going to be my disciples. You're going to be my witnesses here where you are, and then in, in concentric circles that expand. I'm, I'm going to be with you no matter where you go. Acts 2.41 says, those who accepted the message, the, the, the message that was preached on the day of Pentecost were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts 4.4, many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Acts 5.42, day after day in the temple court, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, it wasn't a Sunday morning thing for the church at all. It was happening on a constant basis. And God was bringing people into the fellowship, into that gathering on a daily basis. Acts 6.1, as the believers rapidly multiplied, there's the picture. There were problems that come with growing numbers. Um, Acts 6.7, the word, they took care of the problems, and it says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. The numbers increased rapidly, and a large number of priests, even Jewish priests, became obedient to the faith. Acts 8, 4. Those who had been scattered because a persecution grew in Acts 7 after, after Stephen was, 
was um, martyred after they killed Stephen, the believers scattered and, and that persecution drove disciples all over the place. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went, Acts 9.31. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. It became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Do you have this picture that this small group of people, these, the, the, the 12 disciples of Jesus, after his crucifixion and his resurrection, and then his return to God in heaven, his ascension, that this small group, 12, 120, that they began to take Jerusalem by storm because God was doing something in their midst that drew attention to the resurrection of Jesus. And as people encountered that, the church just began to grow and grow and grow. It was small at first, you know, 3,000's big, but then it was just kind of gradual until it began to just multiply and multiply. Um, today, I wanna talk specifically about what it means to be a part of North Point, what it means to own North Point. Um, the, I talked in the, in the message two weeks ago about how important it is to determine the relationship. That, that whole idea that, that it comes a time where you say, am I in or am I out? Am I on the fringe or am I really a core part of this body of believers? And that's the challenge that's there for us today. Is this your church? Is this where you're committed to grow as a disciple of Jesus? Do you have a sense of calling to this group of people that comes from the Holy Spirit. Is your heart here? Or is this just a place that you come? Um, it, the, the, the challenge is, as disciples of Jesus, if we're to be a part of the church that God has called to be his people, we've got to dig in. Um, you know, uh, a year and a half ago, somewhere in there, I bit the bullet after an invitation from my son and I joined Robinhood. Anybody, uh, Robinhood investors? It's an app that you can buy stock with. Okay, I thought, I'm gonna try this and see what happens. Um, so I have some stock. You know, there are two kinds of stockholders, right? Um, any of you who own stock. They're stockholders who invest their money, they watch to see if it grows, they get the dividends, they determine when they're gonna buy it and sell it, that kind of stuff. But when it comes time for the, for the, for the company to communicate with the stockholders, um, they see the perspective and it goes in the trash or they delete that email. They don't pay any attention to it at all. They don't care about who the directors are, any of that stuff. They just simply care about the money that they've put in and whether they're gonna be able to get that money out. There's a different kind of a stockholder and that's a stockholder who works for the company that they own stock in, that they're a shareholder in that company. Because for them, their success as an employee benefits the company. And the company's success benefits them. Those are the people who attend the stockholder meetings, right? They're the ones who say, I know this is the person I want on the board of directors, and this is the person that I don't want on the board of directors. They are fully invested because they own the company. So you know, I don't have stock in North Point, right? Well, I do have, uh, nah. my brain's, we don't have stock in North Point <laughs> that you can invest in in that way, but we are hopefully all stockholders. The, the question is, what kind are we? Do we just base 
our participation, our involvement on what we get out of it and, and whether we can get something out of it, or do we dive in and own it? Uh, one, of the, one of the speakers at the Global Leadership Summit this year was a guy named Richard Montanez. Um, he was a lot of fun to listen to. Um, he, uh, he retired recently, He's, he speaks now, but he retired as a vice president for, um, for PepsiCo company, uh, the, the um, owner company for Frito-Lay. He started as a custodian at Frito-Lay. Um, and, as, and as a custodian at Frito-Lay, he's trying to feed his family. And um, 25, 30 years ago, they were, Frito-Lay went through a, a period that they struggled as a company. And his hours kept getting cut. So he began to, to work in the factory, not just as a custodian, but he, he would ask people to show him how to work the machines. And he would cover their shifts so that he could get more hours and continue to work. Um, the, the CEO of Frito-Lay sent a, a, a message to every employee of, uh, the CEO of, of PepsiCo sent a message to every employee in Frito-Lay in, in PepsiCo and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to act like an owner. I want you to think like an owner because we've got to get through this time and in order for that to happen, you've got to think like an owner. And Richard Montanez, a janitor, began to develop product that could be sold through Frito-Lay. Richard Montanez is credited, uh, he, he, uh, he created Flaming Hot Cheetos. Flaming Hot Cheetos are the number one snack food in the US, which is crazy. But he did it because he had this perspective of ownership. He said, I care about the company. He, um, he, if you read his book, it's very interesting, the things that he did to help promote and help work through the bureaucracy to get Flamin' Hot Cheetos, a product that he believed in, on the shelves and in people's hands. And now it's, a, it's literally a, a hundreds of billions of dollars of Flamin' Hot Cheetos are sold each year. Um, what's it look like to own North Point? What's it... What are the expectations if you are to think like an owner of North Point? I, I, that's, that's really what I wanna talk about for the next few minutes. Let me give you a, a, just a list of things. If you're an owner at no, North Point, you invest your time and you serve. Owners invest their time and serve. It's, it's easy when you talk about serving in the church for there to be a message about how important it is to serve and to describe what happens in the Bible. And, and, and for who's ever on stage, me right now, to, to kind of guilt you into thinking, oh yeah, I need to be serving at church. That's not my motivation at all today. What I want, what I want you to understand is that as an owner of North Point, that would be the most natural thing in the world for you to do, to serve. Not because you have to, not because you feel guilty, but because your heart is here, because you care about the people are here, you care about what God is doing here, and you want others to have hope that goes beyond this life. Because you look at kids and you think, man, somebody's gotta be pouring Jesus into them, and I know Jesus, and I'm gonna do that. You, you think about what's going on in adult ministry, and you think, man, there are my neighbors, there are these people who need to know about Jesus, and in order for that, that to happen at North Point, I've got to dive in. I've got to find a place that's in my sweet spot where I can serve the body of Christ here because as a result of that, Jesus is going to be lifted up and he's going to draw people to, 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 to himself. Owners invest their time and they serve. Um, the, the, you, 
You've got to take some inventory and recognize your strengths, recognize your passions. You've got to look at the needs that exist here within the body. And, And then you've got to say, you know what? That's something I could do. That's something I want to do so that others can come to know Jesus. When we serve out of a heart motivation, it changes everything. Because it's no longer, oh, I'm feeling kind of sick. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go today, whatever. It's, it's no, I know that there are people who are, going, who are going to miss Jesus if I'm not doing my role. If I'm not out of the door greeting people, because I love people and I want them to know Jesus, there probably is going to be somebody there who just, who just simply says hi and doesn't really care whether they come or not. Where your heart is, it changes everything. Owners invest their time and serve. Owners invest their finances and give. I love the Liam story, Hope, thanks. That, that is just so great. Um, you know, when you read the, the end of Acts chapter two, when you read the end of Acts chapter four, it's clear that in the first century in the New Testament church, people gave financially at great sacrifice for the benefit of others. There wasn't any sense of guilt. There wasn't any sense of obligation. They gave because they cared about the people who were part of the body of Christ. They cared about people who didn't know Jesus. I hope that's your motivation as you give each week, that you give for the glory of God, but you give because you recognize that God has the ability to use North Point to reach people with the love of Jesus that they can't without resources. When you're an owner, when you're an owner, you sacrifice things that others are spending their money on so that you can give to things that matter more to you, to matters of eternal significance. Eternity matters to followers of Jesus. North Point matters to you, I hope, and I hope that that you give out of that sense of love for the church, but love for eternity um, and a desire to make a difference. If I'm a NASCAR fan, and so we're clear, I'm not, okay? But if I were a NASCAR fan, right, I, I would figure out a way at some point in time to squirrel away enough money so that I could go to Daytona or I could go to Talladega and watch the race. I would have the NASCAR gear that I would wear because I was a NASCAR fan. That was something I cared about. If I love Broadway shows, and I do, you figure out a way to be able to buy tickets to go to Wharton or to set aside time that you can save the money and that you can go to New York City and watch shows on Broadway. Because where our heart is, the things that we love, we will follow through on. We'll figure out a way to, to put money towards those things. If you love North Point, if you're an owner at North Point, you're not gonna be satisfied with giving financial leftovers to the kingdom. Whatever is in my wallet, that's what I'm gonna give today. Because if this is where your heart is, you will sacrifice, you'll do what you can to give so that the kingdom can go forward. You're not going to be satisfied with giving the same amount year after year after year after year, knowing that your income continues to grow, knowing that cost of living um, increases each year. You're going to regularly be asking, God, how can I give more so that my church can bring light to a dark world? That's the, that's the call. 
Um, over, the, over the last several years, our eldership developed a, list, developed a list of things to say, you know what, if we, had, if we had unlimited financial resources, what would we do? You know, if somebody dropped a million on us or 10 million, what would we do as a church with that money? Um, some of the things that, we, that we've talked about are practical kinds of things, things around the building that need to be done. We have three different colors of paint on the outside of the church. You know, it'd be nice to have that be one color. Um, it'd, be, it'd be great to have new carpet and paint and all that kind of stuff. It would be really, really great to have a restroom in the children's wing for the preschool kids so that they didn't have to carry those kids or walk them. That's, there's some practical things like that that are facility related. There are other things that are designed specifically to impact the community that we've talked about. Maybe we could pay off medical debt again in a fresh way several years later. Maybe we could expand the partnerships that we have with places like the Y to impact the community in a greater way. Maybe we could develop an after-school ministry for kids in North Lansing if we had the resources. We've talked about if we had those resources, what we could do to fully fund additional church par- plant partnerships in the poorest parts of the world in, in partnership with Compassion International and Stadia. We've, uh, we, uh, we've done that in San Lorenzo, outside San Lorenzo, Ecuador, one, one church. Wouldn't it be cool if we could do one of those a year or multiple of those every year? We've talked about planting churches here in the U.S. and and furthering partnerships to help renew and restore and revitalize churches that are dying right now that, because they don't have the resources. We would love to be able to fully fund, to, to be the singular support for a missionary in another part of the world, that we would be their source of support. They would be a staff member that would be in, in some other place. Owning North Point says, you know what, I'm, I'm in financially to let the mission of the church, helping all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus, to seeing that as uh, come to reality. We, we've, talk, we've talked about time and service, we've talked about finances. Um, owners invest their heart in relationships. And this is, I've kind of touched on this already, but, but this is so true. Owners invest in the people who are part of that group that they're committed to, that, 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 they, that they own. Owners care about the people. Owners invest their heart in relationships. Um, If you're an owner here at North Point, you're gonna find people here who can help you grow in your walk with Jesus. Disciple-making relationships. You're gonna have people that you're feeding into and people that are feeding into you. You're gonna be part of a life group, a, a, a small group of people where you can encourage each other and where you can find accountability, where you can have people walk with you through the everyday stuff of life. Owners invest their hearts in relationships. Um, relationships are so important. You know, uh, so it's been seven, almost seven and a half years since I came to North Point. That's, that's hard to kind of comprehend. Uh, seven years. And when I got here, uh, I, one, of the, one of the things that was the most difficult for me when I got up to preach those first few times, it was like I looked out and I didn't know a soul. I, I I didn't know anybody. I'd come from Ohio, right? You know, uh, I didn't know anybody. And it was hard because how, how do I sense what God is calling me to, to share from his word to people that I don't know? I don't know their story. I don't know how Jesus has worked in their life. 
One of the things that we did that first fall and the second fall as well was that we had desserts at our house. That made dessert, uh, we had a whole host of those and we invited people to come and do dessert at our house. And in those desserts, all I did was say, okay, here's what I wanna know. How long have you been at North Point? How's Jesus, what's your Jesus story? You know, just give me the short version of that and tell me which service you go to and where you sit so I can, uh, so I can <laughs> discern where to look when I'm preaching. All of a sudden, deepening relationships made a huge difference for me as I began to speak. Um, let me say this. We've got tons of new people, lots and lots of new people who are here and a part of North Point. And I want to invite you again to dessert at our house. Um, we've, got, uh, we've got about 10 nights this fall that, that we've set aside times. We can have groups of up to, I don't know, 10 or 12 or whatever. You can follow the link in the app or on the website and, uh, and do that. We would love to have you come just so, so we could get to know each other better. Because my heart is here. I wanna know what God is doing in your life. Um, if, you were, if you came to dessert seven years ago, you're allowed to come again. Um, you don't have to. But, uh, but if, if you've never been to our house, we would really, really love to have you come and be a part of that. What's it mean to own North Point? You're serving together. You're financially invested. You're building relationships. Owners also make the gatherings a priority. You're committed to worshiping together with the North Point body of believers because you love them, because you see God working in their lives, and because you need to be a part of that. You realize, you realize as an owner at North Point that being together on Sundays is not about what you get as much as it's about what you give. Hear me when I say this. And when you're not here, people miss you. Even if you don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't know that many people, you don't know how much your presence means to the rest of the body. I, I sit here sometimes and, and I'm overwhelmed because I know lots of people's stories. But it's so beneficial. It's so encouraging. It's so challenging for me to be able to look out and say, oh, that person's parents are really struggling physically. That they're going to die soon, and they're here to worship. That person just lost their job, and they're here to worship. That person just had a baby. Those people just got married. That, that person is thinking about what God might be calling them to in the future. I may not have a conversation with any of those people, but the presence builds up the body. Owners make gatherings a priority. Know that when you're not here, Others are impacted negatively. They, they're less. Our body is less without you here. Um, gathering's a priority. That, I, th I think part of what that means, too, is that you come early rather than sneaking in or just as the service starts because you don't know who God might have for you to talk to that day. I, I want to encourage you. When you're coming in, when you're in the parking lot, just say a quick prayer. God, who do you, who do you want me to talk to today? Who do you want me to see? And you'll be shocked at how he answers that prayer. Because all of a sudden you'll find yourself standing outside the restroom, down getting a cup of coffee, and engaged with someone that you didn't know what they were going through. You didn't know how God was gonna use you in that conversation, and he will, he'll answer that. Um, Hebrews 10 says, let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another Encourage one another, especially now that the, the, the day of his return, of Jesus' return, is drawing near. 
I love, I love that we post our talks to Facebook and YouTube. Um, I, that, that we live stream on Sunday mornings. Right now, Deb's homesick. We have four grandkids at our house and they're watching right now. Hi, guys. Um, the, um, I, I understand that I'm your pastor and I get paid to be a part of North Point and to do this stuff, but let, hear me in this. When I'm gone, whether I'm at the lake on vacation, whether I'm in Missouri seeing the kids, um, I, I, one of the things that I do is I watch the live stream especially in Missouri, it's great because it's an hour earlier so I can watch there and then go to church with my kids there. Why do I do that? Because this is where my heart is. Because I love y'all. I care about what God is doing here. Um, I want to encourage you to not, to not miss the opportunity that, that is here to be with the body of Christ. Um, uh, there's, there's one more measurable, I think, in terms of ownership. And I've saved it for last... It may be, uh, on the surface level, the least important, but, but I think for many of us, it may be the most important today. And that's to make a commitment to the body of Christ here at North Point. Owners make a commitment. They say, I'm in. They, they sign their name, they, they stake the flag, they do whatever. Um, understand that, um, that this encouragement to make a commitment, I'm, I am saying that as a pastor for you, not, not, not for anything for me. It's not like when I die, I'm gonna face Jesus and Jesus is gonna say, oh, there were only 300 members at North Point. Uh, your quota was 350, uh, you know, you, why'd, you, why'd you waste your time? There's, there's not any sense of that. There's not any sense of that about church membership, about baptism, any of that when we come to Jesus. What I want to communicate to you is it is incredibly helpful for us to make a commitment, for me to make a commitment and say, this is where I am. This is, this is, uh, where, I, this is where I plant myself. This is who I am committed to. Church membership, um, it, it's a cultural tool. Um, it's never mentioned in the Bible. When you read through the book of Acts, there's never any sense of, oh, people became a member of the church in Jerusalem or Galatia or wherever it was. There's not that sense. It's a cultural thing. But clearly, as I, as I talked about a couple weeks ago, um, when, when you commit to a local body, you've already committed to the body of Christ universal. You've already gone through the process of believing who Jesus is, placing your faith in him, um, confessing your sins. You've confessed Jesus as Lord. You've repented. You've changed the way that you've lived. You've been baptized. You've taken that step. You've done all that stuff. That all happened in the first century. And those things defined who were members of the church in Jerusalem. Culturally, um, culturally, as we've gotten buildings and that kind of stuff, we have created this thing called church membership. And we did it uh, historically because there's benefit in saying, this is where I am. This is where I belong. This is, this is where I'm gonna plant myself. This is where I'm gonna be accountable and this is where I'm gonna invest myself in all those other things that I've talked about. That I've talked about. Making a commitment matters. When you plant a flag in the ground and say, this is my church, these are my people, we're walking towards Jesus together, it helps you. It helps 
you. It establishes a priority in your mind. It clarifies what and who you value. Marriage is different than dating or than living together. Why? Because of a commitment. Signing a contract to buy a house is different than looking at a home on realtor.com or going to an open house. Taking a vow to serve and protect is different than stepping in to break up a fight or, or talking patriotism. How do, you, how do you take that commitment? How do you make that commitment? How do you become a member of North Point? The first thing that you've got to do is make sure that you're a member of the church as a whole, the church universal. Those things that I've just talked about in, in terms of having the right kind of relationship with Jesus, following through on those things, repentance, confession, baptism, belief, faith, all of those things that scripture talks about, that, that you've done that. And then we've got a membership application. There's a link in the app notes. There's a uh, link on the website. All you, all you do is fill that out. That seems so trite and so small, and it seems like, oh, Rick, why do I need to do that? Here's what I'm telling you. When you do that, it changes something in your mind. It changes the way that you approach the church. And I would encourage you to, get the, to, to take that step. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe, maybe you're just kind of working through things. Maybe you're still trying to figure it out. That's okay. There's some great next steps. One next step is uh, on the second Sunday of each month uh, to meet the staff. That's an easy first step to just try and figure out. Is this a place where I want to plug in? Is this a, is this a place I want to be my church? Another next step that's a little bit more than that is uh, what we call North Point 101. It's a three-week uh, uh, group that meets together that talks about the history of the church, talks about some doctrines, some theology, that kind of stuff, answers lots of questions, and that's another next step that you can take. Um, don't, don't miss this. Owners, owners have the ears of the staff and the leadership at a level that non-owners don't have. People who are committed, who are servant, who are invested, you know, when, when they say, this is, this is something I see in the body of Christ, um, as leadership, that gets paid attention to. If you think in the football context, right? If somebody from the fan, uh, somebody in the stands yells, hey, run a, run, run a screen pass, run the jet sweep, coaches don't pay any attention. But when a lineman comes off the field and says, you know what? Um, the defensive end is crashing down. We can turn him in and we can run a jet sweep and it's going to go for a long way. The coach pays attention because the lineman is in the game. He's invested. He knows what's going on. Um, can I give you a closing challenge? When you see a need in the body, as a member of the body of Christ, when you see a need in the body, a physical need, a financial need, somebody sliding spiritually, somebody hurting emotionally, take the initiative and meet that need. You don't need to wait for a call from the staff or from the elders. You don't need a text from your life group leader. Meet that need. That's what owners do. Here, here I don't know, 10, 12 suggestions. Um, in the body and in the greater body, Offer to watch somebody's kids. Help out in Kids World or, or Timbertown. Loan a vehicle that's sitting at your house to somebody who needs one. Invite somebody to use your cottage as a getaway. Maybe better than that, invite them to come with you to the cottage uh, just so that, so that you can invest in their life more. Take somebody to lunch with you today 
Go Dutch or buy their lunch if they're young and poor or old and poor, all right? Um, join a life group. Invite somebody to join your life group. Get together with some friends if you're not a part of a life group and just go through the app notes that are there each week to, to reprocess the message. Invite somebody to your house for dinner. Love someone enough to have a hard conversation, to ask for forgiveness, to seek their advice, to share first person your experience with your spiritual battles, with, with the struggle that you have with giving Jesus control of your life. Get together with somebody and just talk about spiritual things. Share resources that you have with someone in need. Pray, pray for someone, pray specifically with them. Um, launch a conversation with someone specifically so that you can encourage them. Write them a note, send them a text, send them an email, and talk about how Jesus is working in your life. Um, there's an impact that comes when you own North Point. People see it, they hear it, and it leaks out into your sphere of influence. One of the easiest measures I see is when people say, oh, your church is so great. It's the greatest place in the world. Man, when you guys do this, it's such a great thing. And I cringe because people who are part of North Point are saying that. When you change your language to say, our church is so great, man, our church is doing this. Our church has come alongside me in a time of struggle in an incredible way. People notice. John 13 says, in uh, talking about disciples, but I think it describes the church. The Amplified Bible says this, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. That's a great picture of the church. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. End of Acts 2 says this, every day the, the church continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. When you own North Point, it impacts DeWitt, St. John's, Langsburg, Lansing, Portland, wherever. It impacts the world that you live in. In 1840, a group of people came together in a place that had only been settled for eight years. The area wasn't very populated. The people who lived here said, we need a church here that will be a witness for Christ, that will be light in a dark place. We need to encourage each other in our walk with Jesus. And for the next 12 years, from 1840 to 1852, the church, our, our foundation, met in people's homes because they didn't have a building. It was known as the First Baptist Church of DeWitt. For decades, it didn't have a full-time pastor. But that group of people faithfully followed Jesus. They were salt and light in the community. In, in the spring of 1928, the Methodist Church in DeWitt burnt down. And the, and the church, the First Baptist Church of DeWitt, our, our heritage, said to Methodists, come worship with us, man. We want to follow Jesus together. And, and for several years, they came together as one body. Um, a year later, the church determined that they didn't want to be a church just for Baptists or Methodists. They wanted to be a church for the entire community, and they changed the name from the First Baptist Church of DeWitt to DeWitt Community Church. Um, in 2004, the church said, we don't want to be just a church for DeWitt. We want to be for mid-Michigan, for North Lansing, and we became North Point Community Church. That's 
181 years ago. In a newspaper article in the Clinton County Republican in 1945, honoring the church, there is this paragraph. The early church records tell of a committee of this early church revealed that strict discipline prevailed. It was the purpose of this committee to call on each member once a month to inquire into their spiritual welfare and to investigate any report of one doing anything unbecoming to a Christian. Many were removed from the church role for the unchristian act of quarreling. Such persons were often reinstated in a few months after reaffirmation of their faith. We may look at that and go, wow, what's that about? Here's, here's what I want to communicate. One thing that they had right was this standard to say, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this particular group of people. There was accountability. That article finishes with this paragraph. It says this, this pioneer church of DeWitt, while not always retaining its strength as to numbers, has contributed to the educational, moral, and spiritual well-being of the community. And after 108 years, this was written in 1948, um, is still looking forward toward higher and better achievements in the realms of Christian service. 73 years ago, they said, our best days are in front of us. As long as Jesus doesn't return first, our best days are in front of us. The question for us is, are our best days in front of us? I believe that they are. But I believe that they are because of the work that Jesus is doing in us and the conviction that we have to commit to the body of Christ here. My challenge you today is to, is, is to go all in, to tell the story of what Jesus is doing in your life and to tell the story of what God is doing in this body. Let's stand together. Let's sing.